Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different From The Other Kids, Season 1, a production of Marketing Maven. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Different From The Other Kids. Hey, welcome back. We are here with Jackie one more time, and uh, she is the mother of a mentally ill child, as I am, and we are just here to try and share some experience and hopefully come up with some kind of strategy or some kind of encouragement, maybe make you guys feel just a little bit less isolated and by yourselves. Um, wanted to uh, forward the next conversation here as, um, or starting it at least, with uh, something that we touched on a little bit ago, which was uh, how different our reality is from uh, other parents and when that kind of starts and what that looks like um, from the perspective of being on the playground or uh, or anywhere else. I guess I know mine started pretty early because of the um, histrionics of, of all of the... Uh, what we thought was just be the like behavior. It was like this overblown reaction all the time. And the parents looking at me sideways as if to say, can you get your kid under control? She's really losing it over nothing. Um, so yeah, I would, I would like to talk to uh, Jackie about that because hers would have been um, from, I guessing uh, her situation and the look she would have gotten because of the uh, behavior her, of her son would have been um, even more pronounced uh, that, uh, that she would have had a, a even greater, not a great, but a, <laughs> a bigger experience. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Here, here you go, Jack. Jackie, thank you very much for coming, and uh, take it away. Yes, uh, I think uh, Angie uh, summed that up uh, pretty accurately. Um, I would say that probably... Uh, my parenting experience and the feeling of isolation because of parents not really understanding. Uh, and for some, you know, and in subtle ways and, and very direct ways, letting you know that, you know, as Angie said, uh, get your kid in control. Uh, never, and, and sort of being blamed in, in subtle ways by not being included in the mom's group or, you know, then, of course, that sort of, uh, feelings of inadequacy as a parent thinking, oh, well, you know, what can I do um, to be sort of accepted as this group when my reality is very, very different. Most parents are, um, I'll give an example, is that, um, you know, uh, this, this comes to mind, though this isn't uh, what I would consider uh, to be uh, traumatizing as a parent, but where sort of I knew things were very different. Uh, my We went to my son's uh, kindergarten um, teacher night, and um, there was a, an aquarium filled with fish, lots of fish, um, and, you know, all the kids were playing, and, you know, I was talking to the teacher, and you kind of have an, you know, keeping somewhat of an eye on your, on your kid, and... Then when I got home and we were, he was undressing, all the fish fell out of his pocket. <laughs> and, 
you know, at that time, he did say how much he liked those fish, and I never gave it any thought, nor did I see the little hands going in there and collecting them, and nor did anybody else. Um, and, you know, I also remember when we talked about earlier, parent, a teacher, a, a teacher not understanding can really damage a soul, but this kindergarten teacher, I remember very well, very, very special lady. Um, we decided then that we would just replenish the fish tank. <laughs> um, and the what came home that evening when we replaced all the fish was nothing about what had transpired, uh, but just a very nice thank you card that all the kids and the teacher have made thanking us for the fish. Um, so that was a teacher that really understood a very you know, unusual situation, and it was able to turn it around and turn it into a, a positive thing. Um, and yet, clearly, there have been other circumstances which have been absolutely agonizing uh, for my son and for me as a parent to watch. Uh, I remember then when my son went into Beavers, um, which is supposed to be, you know, uh, building self-esteem against him with young men and through mentoring, um, being total and his inability to sit still, his inability to really participate, and then being called up and saying they didn't want him to come there anymore um, because he couldn't, you know, unless he, and they wouldn't allow me to have a personal support worker go with him so he could participate so that he wasn't disruptive in the sense that when he was struggling, the support worker could just remove him and then the program could carry on. Did you ever find out, you must have, I would assume that you had some um, backlash from parents during that period of time and explain that a little bit and do you think, do you think there was some parental pressure put on these people? Yeah. Yeah, there was, and there's been many parents that just didn't want their kid around my kid. Um, and just mean-spirited and uh, didn't want their, their, didn't want, didn't have any understanding or tolerance and didn't want their children and their community activities being subject to a young person with diversity or very unique behaviors. Um, were his behaviors at that time, uh, were they violent or uh, difficult at that time? I would have, I would assume that they would have been easily identifiable. But Yeah, they were not violent at all. I think the violence, to be honest, occurred of years and years of uh, bullying and mm -hmm. abuse mm -hmm. and just uh, feelings of rage. That I just want to make sure that there's a distinction. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was disruptive in the sense mm. that he was loud. There's disruptive, uh, but then there's... Yeah, he was disruptive to the program and needed to be removed from time to time just because he'd be so overexcited, he'd be absolutely ridiculously mm -hmm. silly, which was disruptive, or um, just be moving around a lot, and it was disruptive. Um, and despite saying, like, look, you know, I'll get a... A, a, a someone to who would actually help him volunteer with the group, and then when he needs to be removed for a timeout so the rest of the group is not disrupted, um, that that's available. That was not acceptable to them. Parents didn't want that. Uh, that also happened when he was in hockey. Um, despite offering all those services, they actually refused it. Um, and it was just really really uh, heartbreaking to watch. 
Now, there must have been times, unfortunately, when other parents would have had something uh, not kind to say to you or about you or about your son, if you could uh, just share that, because I'm sure there are people listening that have had that experience. And um, although unfortunate, it's, um, it, it's real and it does happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were some parents that, um, in fact, I remember a specific situation and it was absolutely astonishing to me and so mean-spirited, I, I, it still kind of traumatizes me. Um, my son was playing with his brother in, the, in, uh, in, in sort of a courtyard area and they were playing football and there was a, a, an older boy who lived in the neighborhood who was a bully by nature but uh, was physically assaulting my son. Uh, really being really, really hurtful. Uh, my other son came back to tell me. Um, and, uh, you know, my my one son was being physically assaulted. So I went to the family and explained to them that, you know, I was concerned about this. And uh, the parents basically turned it around on me and said that it was, you know, my fault that my son behaved this way and that they, the kids needed to just be able to deal with it themselves and there was a problem with me and my kid and not their son um, and that uh, you know if, if I knew how to be a parent then uh, I wouldn't be dealing with this kind of nonsense and uh, it yeah it was very difficult and I was absolutely astounded and, and I couldn't believe that uh, even with like with the evidence in front of them, they refused to. They they didn't seem it was an issue that their son was physically and mentally assaulting my son. Um. I yeah I I I, I still to this day don't understand it. Yeah, that's that's totally totally traumatic. That is an awful story. Um. Now, as you went through. Uh, school. I would assume it's more elementary school than anything else. Um, can you recount a couple times uh, in school that maybe, um, other than on the playground, were there things going on in school uh, where your son wasn't welcome to participate when it was that perhaps you could see that that would be uh, a positive thing for him to have joined into and he was prevented? Is there something mm -hmm. that you can think of? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a couple of situations, and probably the worst, to be honest, uh, of all of them was um, he, when he was in grade, just going into grade eight, actually, um, and he'd been struggling. He'd had a personal, uh, an educational assistant that wasn't very sensitive to his needs and was very punitive and was becoming a real problem. And the older he was getting, obviously, um, he was having more difficulty managing, but that was also part of uh, him not being, um, you know, because of, of the challenges that he was facing and not being properly supported. Um, and I do remember that my son at the time started to smoke marijuana. Um, he was a... He, that he at, he was at school and they found um, uh, one marijuana joint. Um, he was, you know, obviously he was ex um, suspended from school um, for two or three days. It was dealt with. It was probably the first incident of anything. 
Um, but the school and the teachers, because they had a zero tolerance to drug use, and he certainly wasn't an act active drug user in those days, um, refused to allow him to graduate and participate in the graduation ceremony despite having several gains in the learning disabled classroom and being integrated and uh, really, really doing well. Um, they refused to allow him to be part of the graduation ceremony, um, which is something that myself or my child will never forget. Um, and I'm still not really sure why the parents took such a, 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 a stance against that. Um, it, to me, it just was extreme and mean-spirited, and that's sort of one of those moments in your life, particularly for a learning disabled person, to have succeeded and, and, and performed at the expected uh, academic curriculum to take away you know, how much of a struggle it would have been to achieve that uh, based on one very, you know, I mean, certainly drugs are, um, you know, a, an issue, but it was not in context and it was very mean-spirited. Okay, well, when you think about that now, in, in retrospect, because that's many years ago now, is there anything that you would have done differently or is there something, is there any bit of, for lack of a better term, uh, advice that you might be able to give a parent in a situation like that. Uh, like, for instance, I know uh, the two of us uh, have had conversations about, you know, just don't participate in everybody else's nonsense. We can be very calm and well, trying to be very calm and uh, speaking uh, from an intellectual perspective as opposed to getting upset and angry and, and shouting or anything like that. But is there anything else that you can... Looking back now, is there something that you would have done differently? I think probably I would not have accepted the principal's decision mm -hmm. based on the parents uh, who really didn't have any understanding of the circumstances. Um, I would have advocated very strongly with the Board of Education. I would have gone to the superintendent and I would have uh, expected that he be able to graduate with his um, peers if supports were necessary, fine, but I would not have allowed. I, I think at that time, I was just so exhausted mm -hmm. uh, from the circumstances and the lack of supports. I just didn't have the energy. Mm -hmm. um, and I would not have accepted that. Um, yeah. That's the problem when you're going through all this, is that there's part of that you're so exhausted with the thought of, putting your child in that position where they have to be, they're going to be challenged anyway or keeping their behavior together or um, trying to uh, keep away their triggers, trying to keep them calm, those kinds of things. By the time you actually get them to the event, you're usually so exhausted that if it is that they can't participate, you got no fight left. There's nothing left for you to turn around and, and, and try and make anything right or try and make it a better, more auspicious occasion for them, or, you know, there are times, I swear to God, I, I don't have very many photographs of stuff, because I just, there are times I'm just, I'm traumatized, I don't remember them anyway, and I don't have any, I don't have any photographs to even jog my memory, because I was too exhausted to, to even think about doing it. I think that's a, a very, very uh, common 
common thing is that uh, you just get into a position where you're just you're mentally and physically run over and you you got nowhere to go with anything so you end up in a situation where you look back and you say well maybe I could have advocated a little bit differently or could have advocated more for it but you're a one-man band and you did what you could at the time and that was all that was the result of moving a gap so let me talk to you a little bit more Jackie about I know you did a lot of advocating uh, during those years um, I know that um, you had many meetings with schools only because I've, I've known you for that long um, is there anything that you can give as advice to an advocate mother or father going into the school system I know things have changed but you're also a social worker um, within the system now as well and uh, you might have a better look in into how it is that a parent might get best result as an as as an advocate for their child well the thing that i learned very very uh after years of advocating and uh financial and having to spend a lot of money on law on on lawyers and special services the one thing that i would do differently is the minute there was segregation or any uh, uh, inappropriate behavior or treatment of my child by students or peers and the, the principal being unwilling to rectify and seek solutions and putting supports in place. I would not try and I would not have uh, 50 meetings with the school. And, well, Is that what would traditionally happen for you? Yes, and trying to and and it become a debate as to what could what was acceptable. The minute that treatment that is inhumane or, or neglectful, what I would do differently is I would have immediately gotten a advocate, a, a special education lawyer, to advocate for and and would have immediately gone to the director of education. I would have not put myself through that emotional turmoil once I knew that I was not going to get the supports. That, I mean, certainly you want to be cooperative and you want to develop a partnership with the people that are going to be in the school, but what, when you are not getting anywhere, you can't keep being at sort of at the mercy of, of, of them to, determining for you when you know that this is not acceptable and it is not supporting your child. After probably, I would say from about grade five till about grade seven and spending probably a, those good two years in and out of the school and having to pick my son up from school every day because he was in so much turmoil from inappropriate supports and eventually being harmed by other kids quite seriously at school and pulling him out. Uh, at that time I sought out a lawyer uh, to de deal with to deal with his rights to an education and one that was safe, um, and the minute that that lawyer called the director of education and a meeting was set up, all of the things that he required were given to him. Oh, so that's what I would learn differently. That uh, I would not spend all that time. Uh, you know, once you have tried the meetings, you've tried to work together and you've had the appropriate assessments done and the appropriate professionals come in and explain to the school what the needs are because every child under the Educational Act is entitled to an education that meets their, uh, that, that, that their, uh, meets their special needs. Um, 
That doesn't happen though. Um, all the time. And again, it's a funding issue. But the one thing I would do differently is that once I got the no, I wouldn't try and fight the principal or the school. I would be going directly to the administrator and I would have a lawyer deal with that. So I would not have to deal with the emotional. And as I've said, that uh, after years of spending a lot of money looking at private schools that I really couldn't afford um, and homeschooling options and all sorts of other things, it was not until I hired a lawyer who had contact with us because they are breaking the law when they're not mm-hmm. meeting the needs of your child. Um, I, I would suggest that once you've gotten that no, that you immediately take action. You take it, that action at, at the higher level, uh, at the, with the board, with, at the board, at the director's level. Um, and that is something, had I known that, I would save myself a lot of money. Um, I also would have saved myself a lot of grief. And my child wouldn't have been uh, so damaged by uh, people working with him that did not want to be working with them and were providing him with the appropriate supports based on the assessments. Now, let's walk everybody through, in case they haven't had the privilege or the indecency that can be, I was being sarcastic about the privilege, of walking into a meeting uh, in the school. I know this has happened to me, and well-meaning or not, uh, it is an intimidating uh, experience of um, educational professionals sitting in a room, multiple ones. Um, Jackie, you could probably speak to exactly who was in the room. and it is an intimidating experience of which is led by usually one individual, usually the principal, to lead you into a certain path of yeses and nos. And it gets, um, it's dicey because you can come out of there. I've come out of uh, those meetings before absolutely destroyed because I just felt it, it, whether the intention was there or not, I certainly felt as though I was unheard and I was run over. Uh, by whatever it was that their directive was to get out of me that day instead of the other way around for my child. So let me pass I would totally support that, and yeah. I would say that I've had many a meeting like that in the early years. Um, and I have to say that that was extremely, um, extremely difficult because my circumstance is a little bit different in the sense yes. that the first three years of, of my son's early education Wonderful program, wonderful teacher, wonderful supporters, and then moving out of that board um, to being unsupported. And I remember one of the first meetings. Uh, so who, who would be in the room? Uh, the, the chief psychologist for the board of education, uh, the principal, the vice principal, child and youth worker. Uh, possi- the homeroom teacher. Yeah, possibly the teacher. Um, and basically... You know them telling me what was what was basically uh, defending their position, minimizing the damage that was being caused to my son, and uh, justifying why they weren't meeting his needs, but just turning it around like they were meeting his needs, and that the issue was with me and parenting, um, or not so much coming around and saying that, but that I wasn't doing something right, and what they were doing was right, even though it clearly wasn't working. Um, and me and them just totally ignoring uh, the reports that had been placed uh, in front of them and me being absolutely feeling, again, as I hadn't been heard, 
that no matter how many times I told them what was going on with my son and the damage that it was being, it was, it appeared as that they didn't hear any of that and just continued with, uh, the dialogue about what their agenda was as far as the special education plan, which was not meeting my child's need, was damaging his emotional health, making him, uh, go into crisis and, not allowing for him to consistently be at school because he was in such a state of, of, you know, and it was, it, and just very insensitive towards, uh, I think that was the most, uh, basically the, um, crisis that my son was in and his emotional state, uh, that didn't seem to be an issue. And it was not until in my case, uh, in grade eight, uh, my son was left unsupervised at, at lunchtime with kids that had serious contact disorders, and they were clearly aware that my son should never be left alone with those peer, with his peers. And he, and the reason he had an, e, an educational assistant because he was so vulnerable, he was seriously assaulted. And it was not again until I removed him from school and sent a letter to the principal saying that I was not bringing him back to school under any circumstances because he was unsafe until they put a plan in place. And it was only then that they started to even respond. Now, um, if I remember correctly, during part of this you were working full-time. Mm -hmm. uh, part of it, were you not working or were you working part-time? I can't remember during this period of time. Yeah. I, I just want to speak a little bit to the amount of time, the amount of effort, the amount of exhaustion that a parent goes through in trying to do this and trying to work at the same time? Um, initially, when he started going to see the psychologist for, learn, for basically learning to read, um, and he used to go two or three times a week, um, my husband at the time would take him to those appointments. Um, I was actually working for an insurance company at that time, and very stressful, was not able to take lots of telephone calls, not able to take lots of time off work. Um, within about a year of that and him sort of really not managing at school, uh, having to take him to psychiatrists, having to uh, basically get, uh, get um, assessments, private assessments done that the school would accept, um, having to basically be available at all time because in any given day, he could be called. He got, I could be called to pick him up because they couldn't manage him. And then, probably after about nine months of working full time, I had to give up my job because it became a full time job. Um, I had to be available in the event that the school called me, which could be, at, as I say, at any generally on a daily basis. Um, I it became a full time job, and I would never have been able to work and provide that level of advocacy um, as well. As, yeah, and it was financially very depleting um, because having to look at special programming that was private um, in nature to sort of offset the services servicing that he wasn't getting, that he should have been getting, um, it was a full-time job. Yep, it is. There's no doubt about it. I feel uh, very, very uh, badly for the parents that are out there that um, are working full-time and trying to manage some of this stuff. It is uh, extremely difficult. Um, 
for you've got somebody in your background there that uh, can give you a hand, whether it's from rides or picking up your child or being able to make some of the calls for you. Um, in any case, I'm going to say goodnight to, uh, to Jackie, and thank you so much for coming. You are always a pleasure to have and always uh, a wonderful, wonderful wealth of information. Um, we will uh, catch you next time on the other side. Please review our podcast on iTunes. This will help us spread our message and reach all those who need some support. Don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. We have a book on Amazon, all of these interviews. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next week. And uh, thanks, guys. Stay amazing. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate healthcare provider. Thanks for listening to Different From The Other Kids, made possible with the support of Erlington Fitness and Racket Club. Why go to a gym when you can be part of a club? You can find them online at www.burlingtonfitness.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season 1. A production of Marketing Maven.